This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Right On, showcasing the work and lives of Otago and Southland writers. Tune in for news and interviews with your local writers on the second Wednesday of every month from noon to one and repeated the following Sunday at 11am. Right On with Vanda Simon, brought to you by the New Zealand Society of Authors and kindly sponsored by the great team at Otago University Press. The university bookshop is evil because it tempts me so with its otherworldly, picture-perfect, just-smell-those-books-and-breathe atmosphere, with its staff who entice me with, Oh, look, have you read this? Or have you seen that? And we know you need this. With its cruelly situated right at the front so you trip over at New Zealand new releases table. And worst of all, worst of all, with the irresistible treasures in Book Lovers Corner, the university bookshop is evil. You have been warned. Good afternoon and welcome. You're listening to Otago Access Radio and right on with Vanda Simon, the show of the Otago Southland branch of the New Zealand Society of Authors and sponsored by that great team at the University Bookshop. It's quite a lovely wintery day today, so what better way to spend it than listening in to an hour in the wonderful world of books. Lindy Cameron is the publisher of Clandestine Press, which is an Australian-based independent publisher, and they've recently produced Dark Deeds Down Under, a crime and thriller anthology which is edited by Craig Sisterson. Now, Dark Deeds Down Under is a dark collection of short stories written by New Zealand and Australian crime writers, including a little number by yours truly. So, Lindy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, Dark Deeds Down Under, Dark Deeds Down Under is a bit of a first. It's a short story collection with Australia and New Zealand writers combined. So how did this idea come about? Uh, well, um, <laughs> I've got a couple of friends who are colleagues. They, they, uh, they work um, with me, for me, around me. Um, and we had this three-month um, um, imagination binge where we kept coming up with ideas for anthologies of every different kind finally had to give up on the idea because it would have cost about a hundred thousand dollars to finance them all but one of the ones that stood out was the notion of of having um, a crime fiction anthology with Australian writers and then I thought well I know quite a few Kiwi writers as well and I thought how fabulous it would be to cross the ditch uh, and see if I could get a combination of authors and the next idea that I had was to ask published authors of um, with series characters if they would actually give us a short story involving their series character. So I approached Craig Sisterson, um, who, as your listeners will hopefully know, is the, um, the one of the co-founders of the Nio Marsh Awards uh, and, and, a, and a friend. And I put the notion to him and he got all excited. And so we drew up a list of a wish list of authors um, and we thought and a wish list of authors with series characters and then a wish list of authors with non-series characters in case all the series characters authors said, oh, I can't do that. You know, I can't, I can't, I couldn't do that, possibly do that with my, you know, ongoing character. And the, so the wish list was quite long and we were absolutely astounded that it, it, nearly everyone we asked said yes uh, on both lists, the series characters and the standalone authors. And so all of a sudden we actually had enough um, people saying yes for, for two volumes. So it was quite exciting. Um, some of them said yes, but not on, on such a short deadline. So hence um, we already have the seeds for now actually three books. 
So that's where the idea came from. And we and I wanted I really wanted to do um I've I've been involved in crime fiction on various levels for, for over thirty years. And so um and I and I've read some fabulous, fabulous um Kiwi crime fiction and I just wanted to reach out and um, you know, bridge the bridge the gap over the over the ditch and see see what we can do together. Well, that's one of the Kiwi contingent in this book. Hey, thanks. That was awesome. <laughs> and but also I can relate, you know, having when I was approached and asked with this idea of writing a short story based on one of my existing characters, it just seemed like so much fun. You know, <laughs> the opportunity to to write something little rather than a, a great novel about these characters, um, which was fantastic. Now, one of the things um, that you got was getting Craig Sisterson on board. So I just sort of explained to the readers, uh, listeners, sorry, today a, a wee bit about Craig. So I'd describe Craig as New Zealand's and also now Australia's greatest um, cheerleader when it comes to promoting crime fiction from New Zealand and Australia overseas. He's based in London now, but is a Kiwi bloke from Nelson. Um, so... How much you know, input did Craig have, or how much work did he have in, in doing this? You know, for him editing a collection. Uh, well, I knew, uh, as I said, I've known Craig. I've known Craig since Rosa Rua Noir, the fabulous um, one-off um, so far crime fiction convention that was held, oddly enough, Rosa Rua, uh, in the before times. And I'm I'm sure if COVID hadn't hit, this would have been an annual or at least a uh, every other year event. Um, bloody COVID. <laughs> um, so, because it should be, it should it should be an annual event. It was such a fabulous, fabulous um, uh, weekend of, of Kiwi and a little bit of Australian, but mostly Kiwi crime fiction. So, I, I that's where I first came across Craig, and then of course, um, not long after that, he published his book um, Southern Cross Crime, which was, as you said, he is the greatest cheerleader for for crime fiction in both in both our countries and that book was just a you know it, it covers fiction non-fiction tv books everything that you could possibly think of in relation to to you know crime fiction uh in in australia and new zealand so i i knew that he would be the perfect person for this um uh so as a commissioning editor i just it, he just he just i knew that he would know the people that i didn't know um, and I'm current Vice President of Sisters in Crime Australia, so I know or have connections to or can track down or can hunt down um, uh, pretty much any female crime writer in the country. But Craig, but not uh, not a lot of the, the men who write crime fiction, um, and it's just because I don't have the connections to them, whereas Craig, even as a Kiwi, had that. And, of course, he knows everyone in New Zealand. So it was, it was natural for me to pick someone like him to do it. Um, this would sometimes be something I would have done myself, like I would have done the editing of it myself, but I wanted to have that broader connection and, and have the fact that the Australian, an Australian publisher was publishing it, but a Kiwi um, a writer and editor was, was the commissioning person from it. So even right from the get-go, I wanted it to be a cross-Tasman a cross um, project. So, yeah, so he, he reached out and he, he found people that I'd, didn't know about um, some some Aussies that he had good contacts with, um, and um, the the extraordinary collection of, of um, New Zealand writers we've got in this first book, and that we've got lined up for the second one as well. He was he was just the the perfect the perfect person to do it. Now, one of the things that really struck me about this collection too is that you have 
quite a range of writers from those at the very beginning of their careers through to some like really huge names um, yeah. there. Was was that a conscious decision to do that? Yes, it was. So so I, as I said, what we wanted to do was was the the, the idea in the first place was to get um, uh, stories from people who have been who are well established so that they had a serious character so that you could recognize like your your character and you know it's already been in several books we wanted a short story with her um and you know get a short story from kerry greenwood for instance for for either from franey or corinna and we were lucky enough to get a corinna short story um but also to have someone like gary disher um say yes as well but the concept was the whole time was to be able to um uh take the the newer emerging or even in in a couple of instances debut crime writers and give them a chance to be in a collection to be in 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 the i don't know on on the stage for, um in a sense uh with writers that that other australians other new zealanders and even um you know uk writers might know um and so someone who in the uk who might pick up the book because kerry or gary dish is in it um will get to read um Danuka McKenzie, who's just had her first book out, or um, other people like that. So yes, it was it was definitely part of the deal to to do a really good mix of, of emerging debut um, and really well established writers, with the hook being the short stories with characters that people know, but also to have it as even as a distribution as of we could as of um, women writers male writers, um, writers of, of different cultural backgrounds, different any all of all of the diversities that we possibly could. Uh, so we're trying to do that as well for every um, volume that we do. Now one of the really what I thought was quite cute things <laughs> that you did in the book was to be able for the readers to distinguish between our Australian writers, our New Zealand writers and those that are a bit of both. Um, tell us about what you did there. Um, well, I've, um, I've, I've, I've start again. <laughs> I've done a few um, anthologies where each story we've given them a little illustration that reflects the story, and I thought, well, how I don't know how you're going to do that with a with a series of crime stories because they're not, you know, they're they're harder to illustrate, and the, and I just came up with the notion, okay, well, so we've got Kiwi writers, we've got Aussie writers, so the the logical thing to do in this book is to is to tell everyone without putting it on the cover you know, a little map of New Zealand or a little map of Australia, how boring. So Craig and I approached uh, a Maori artist and uh, an Indigenous artist here in Australia to, to give us um, artwork that was um, remin that, that was like uh, Maori artwork for the of a Kiwi for all the New Zealand authors and a platypus um, of for the all the Australian authors. And in some instances, well, like Alan Carter, who's, you know, a, a pom, who lived in New Zealand and now lives in Australia? He gets he gets both of them on his page, but sort of ghosted out because he's not really either, but he's kind of both. So yeah, that was the idea of it. You know, rather than having stating the obvious in a map or a you know in words, just to have these absolutely fabulous um, uh, commissioned artwork for them. As a publisher, you have you know, published anthologies of short stories and things before. You know, what is the appeal of short stories, and um, do they do they do they sell well? Do the readers love them? Um, readers love them, but oddly, it's 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 quite strange. They don't sell. I'm hoping this one will be 
different because of the people who are in it, because of the concept, and and because we've got series characters in it. I I I won't lie in saying that getting the series characters was half of the reason, you know, half of the concept of of making this this particular anthology better selling than than they usually are. So it's it's odd because people do love short stories, but they don't sell as well um, as as a novel or anything like that. Uh, but I've I've been as I as I mentioned I'm current vice president of Sisters in Crime and I'm a founding member so I've been doing it for 31 years God help me. Um, but one of the things that Sisters in Crime has been running for 28 or nine years can't remember what we're up to now is a short story competition the Scarlet Stiletto Awards. So for the last nearly three decades every year I've been reading um, uh, a couple of hundred short stories by women. Um, uh, writing crime fiction stories, and each year we turn those, the winners of that of that competition into ebooks, and and so I know that people like to read them, um, and I don't care that they don't sell as well as as a novel. It's the whole concept of of putting together a themed collection like that. Um, and interestingly, apart from the fact that I was being ju- judged for the Scarlet Stilettos all these years, I was not a great reader of other anthologies. Until I started the, the, putting them together, I got invited to write one for an anthology, and that started me thinking, "Oh my goodness, even I can write a short story with great difficulty because my first one was fifteen thousand words, so that's not really very short." Short. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I learned how to write a short story for for an anthology, and so I, I finally realised what it is about writing them and reading them that authors like to create and readers like to to read um the ability to open a a book um and not feel like you've got to stay up until two o'clock in the morning if you can't you know if you've got to go to work the next day a novel you can't put down a collection of short stories you can you can just read one story so that's the attraction and then doing themed anthologies like um the only one in the world in which all of the stories feature a sherlock holmes and watson who are not white anglo-saxon um turn of the century gentlemen they we the, the collection that we did for that was that the sherlock holmes in, in and watson in that collection were anything but that they could be women they could be indian they could be um, medieval um jews they could be vikings um so getting together a theme and something like you know and that is is really good fun yes and from an author perspective like i said it was great fun creating a short story instead of having to think of 80,000 words, you know, I had to think of five. Five, <laughs> yes. Awesome. So this is an anthology of New Zealand and Australian um, crime writers. How do you feel that New Zealand and uh, Australian crime writers, you know, fit globally? Are we being recognised out there in the greater world? I, I, we are on an individual level, but we're not, I don't think we are yet as a, as a collective. Um, we need we need a we need a nickname like Scandi Noir, I think, to actually do it. And I and I honestly think that it is something that we could and should do together, at least to start with, because um, working together. I mean, you know, neither of our audiences are huge, so the the Australian book reading audience is is small. Uh, the Kiwi one is even smaller. But together we could at home for our for our own readers. So in order to sort of 
broach and break out of our, you know, the confines of, of down here, <laughs> uh, down under, uh, I think to do it together is is that it would be the best way because we have breakout people like you you have just you know you're now being published in England. Um, Jane Harper is is huge around the world. Uh, Leanne Moriarty is just you know gangbusters since Reese Reese Witherspoon discovered her. Um, Gary Disher is is well known, but but actually not well known enough given how mm. fabulous he is. But then you've got Michael Robotham, who is, you know, he has his face on buses in Germany, for goodness sake. Even he was surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have breakout stars, but we don't, but, but what I'm hoping for with this book, it's kind of like I'd like it to be a brochure for um, um, whatever we're going to call it, call ourselves, Southern Cross Noir, um, you know, something like that to, to break out and, and have an effect worldwide like the Scanning Noir did. I mean, yeah. that happened because of a couple of books that just went, you know, um, quite ballistic and then the world discovered how fabulous their TV was as well mm -hmm. and those two things combined just created an accidental movement. I'd like to create a deliberate one. <laughs> Excellent. So we just have to find out the pithy title to go with it. Yes, yes. Perhaps, we should, perhaps you could run a competition. Yeah, the listeners know, have some suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Scotland has its tartan noir. Yes. The Scandi yeah. noir. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that all sounds good. Now, I'm also intrigued, you know, for you yourself personally as a um, publisher. You know, you were a crime writer originally and you have clandestine press which is a small independent publisher um why did you go into publishing in the first place uh because i'm an idiot uh seriously <laughs> i don't know I don't, I don't, so you don't I recommend don't, it i don't know I don't, well i do i love i love what i do i i i don't have a single day when i think oh i don't want to do this anymore sometimes i look at a book and go i don't want to do that anymore but uh, <laughs> but um uh, I, I absolutely love what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. I love, you know, finding new authors and and sending them out into the world. I like, you know, rescuing other authors from from, you know, they might have they might have been a mid-list author from with one publishing company and and they they've just been abandoned by that publishing company because they're not selling enough for them. They sell they sell perfectly well for me. So uh, yeah, so I, and so and I like to give um, some writers. Um, the chance to do something else other than what they are known for. So, for instance, the entire world knows who Kerry Greenwood is because of Franny Fisher, um, but um, they don't. They her publishers didn't want to publish her ancient Greek novels mm. because they thought that readers would get confused. They don't give readers much credit, do they? They don't. They don't. So because of that, I am blessed with the fact that I have four of Kerry Greenwood's ancient history novels um, on my books. So, and I, I specifically, I got into, decided to, to start a publishing company for two reasons. One, because um, a publisher that I and a couple of my other writer friends had had dealings with um, and were big enough to, to know better, weren't looking after their authors very well. And so we would also always joke, uh, you know, if I ever have the time or the inclination or the money, I'm going to start my own publishing company. And we'd all say, <laughs> let's, let's start our own and just do it for ourselves. Uh, and then I... Um, uh, I, I had read Kerry Greenwood's Medea 
And I just, she's a friend of mine. So I just said to her, if I ever start a publishing company, would you let me republish these books? Because they were out of print. And she said, of course, darling. And so <laughs> 12 months later, in I kid you not, in the middle of the global financial crisis, I thought, I know enough to start a publishing company. What I don't know, I know people who can. So, you know, I can't do cover design to save my, my life, but I can do basic book design for novels. Um, and so I knew the people who could do what I didn't. And so I went back to Kerry and said, I really would like to do this. Would you let me um, publish your Delphic Women trilogy as the first of the of the books I put out? And she said, of course, I was serious. But, Lindy, I do have one in this bottom drawer that I prepared earlier that no one else has ever wanted. And so that's what I launched with, a book that she had written about ancient Egypt that no one else wanted. So that's how it came about. Uh, and um, here I am 12, some have uh, lost track, 12 years later, uh, still going strong. I've published, uh, I, I did get to publish her Delphic Women trilogy, so I am the publisher of Medea, but it is why I started. I was appalled that that book was not, not still in print. So... Um, <laughs> So that's how it started. But because I was, I mean, even though I started with historical fiction, um, uh, it was crime that I, I always wanted to do. As I said, I've been a member of Sisters in Crime forever. It is my choice of, of um, reading um, pleasure. Uh, I write it myself. And so I just went on the hunt for, for new crime fiction. So in this current environment, you're a small independent publisher. And, you know, we see in the news, particularly at present, um, you know, the big global giants trying to merge and take over the world, et cetera, et cetera. What do you see as the actual advantage of being a small publisher? Uh, well, <laughs> are there advantages? <laughs> well, there are, there are advantages. I mean, if I was a big publisher, I would have a lot more money for promotions and obvious all of that sort of stuff and being able to, you know, take my authors on jaunts around the world or at least around Melbourne. <laughs> um, but um, the advantage is that I, I, can, I can find the, 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 the little gems that the bigger publishers will overlook. Uh, as I said, I can do something like publish Kerry Greenwood's ancient historical novels when her big publisher, Ellen and Unwin, doesn't want them. Um, I, can, I can find, uh, you know, I can, I can publish the debut novel of, of Natalie Conyer, whose novel came to me in, in, in such perfect mint condition, I, you would have thought that it had been already published and worked on. It was so perfect. Uh, uh, and to, to not only discover a, a, a book like that and, and be able to publish an author like that, but then to have her win the debut crime novel for, for the Ned Kellys that year is just go, yay, you know. <laughs> so so the, the, the benefits are that I can take on, I can discover authors. And if they get snapped up by some big publisher for their next book, I go, well, that's mean. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm also really happy for them. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, if, if uh, originally I would say to authors, you give me your first book you, and you give, or you give me that sort of, and if you, if you go on to make bigger and better deals around the world, then, you know, more power to your, um, writing thumb. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the whole, it's the, the advantages that I can, I can take on authors who might not get a look in, in the bigger publishers just because, they don't yet have a profile or um, there's not there's not a you know a weird bidding war over them 
and sometimes you wonder why there are weird bidding wars over over authors and you look at them and you go well that author is actually no not no not much of a better writer or anything than any of mine so you wonder why a big publisher would take on that author and not take on the one that I've taken on and you know so yeah that's why <laughs> and we can see that 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 set of values that you have there shining through in dark deeds down under with your supporting and nurturing the newer authors by partnering them and with this compilation and with some nice big names so yeah <laughs> <laughs> well um thank you so much lindy for coming on and talking about dark deeds down under a crime and thriller anthology i mean i could recommend it highly but i'm extraordinarily biased since i do have a story in it <laughs> <laughs> and it's a fabulous story <laughs> <laughs> so Thank you very much for coming on the show today and um, all the best with this anthology and the ones that are going to come after because of the excessive number of authors that you've got. So interesting. I know. I'm, I'm so excited. Thank you very much for having me today. <laughs> Thanks. We're going to take a short music break. Be back soon. Why did you cut down that tree in your front yard? I had watched it grow For many years since I was a girl And it seemed to shake My gravity just a little It feels like the pain is peeling on my heart When are we making it out to that island? Took me anywhere when I was you And I am all alone in Italy now And I could break it but I
welcome back. You're listening to Otago Access Radio and Write On with Vander Simon, the show of the Otago Southland branch of the New Zealand Society of Authors and sponsored by the wonderful team at the University Bookshop. Well, during my chat with Lindy Cameron, Craig Sisterson's name came up a couple of times. Last year I got to interview Craig about his book Southern Cross Crime, which was launched in the midst of the COVID pandemic lockdowns. Now it's a fascinating book about New Zealand and Australian crime fiction writers, and even I get a mention, which is an honour and very, very cool. Here's that interview. Craig Sisterson is a Kiwi living in London, and in writing and particularly crime writing circles, he's known as New Zealand crime fiction's biggest cheerleader. And not content to just support Kiwi crime writers, he did something practical about it and founded the Nio Marsh Awards for Crime Fiction. He's recently published his own non-fiction book, Southern Cross Crime, which features a number of Dunedin writers and which has been shortlisted for the Crime Fest HRF Keating Award. Craig, welcome to the show. Kia ora, Vanda. Thanks so much for having me. And welcome from London. Yes, <laughs> far away. I think you're my furthest travelled guest so far. Yeah, well, someone who's from close to home, but just happens to be far away right now. <laughs> so I got him marooned over here. So. So how did this fascination um, for you and New Zealand crime fiction start? Well, if we're just talking about crime and mystery fiction in general, I've loved that since I was a kid with the Hardy Boys and Sherlock Holmes and Agatha Christie and things like that. But when it comes to New Zealand crime, I'd read a tiny little bit like a Paul uh, Thomas novel and there was a Nigel Latter one and a couple of others, Simon Snow's Devil's Apple, I think. And But it wasn't until late 2008 and I'd um, done a year-long round-the-world trip backpacking through Latin America and travelling through Europe and North America. And the very first weekend I came back, I went to the Papatoe Library in South Auckland because I was staying with someone in South Auckland for a couple of weeks till I got my own flat. And um, when I walked in, I saw uh, some, just looked at the array of recently returned shelves. And there was a couple of books that caught my eye that I thought looked really interesting, authors that I hadn't heard of. They had kind of crimey kind of covers and picked up and read the back cover blurb and thought, oh, these sound really cool. So I got them out. And one was Cemetery Lake by a Christchurch author called Paul Cleave. And the other one was um, The Ringmaster by a Dunedin author called Vander Simon that you might have heard of. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, it was, and it was just really struck me because I really loved both the books. I thought they were both really excellent and on that year long around the world trip i've been reading a lot of crime fiction because i think sometimes people don't get the scale of south america it's not like half of the americas it's significantly larger than north america and so we were doing 24-hour bus rides in argentina to go between places and things like that so you would stock up on a couple of books to read on the way and um i would always get the crime novels from the kind of English language book exchanges at the hostels. So I was reading Michael Connolly and Mark Billingham and Bill McDermott and Ian Rankin and John Grisham and people like that. And so it struck me that these two New Zealand crime novels were like, you know, they stood shoulder to shoulder with a lot of the overseas stuff I'd been reading. And also just before I'd come back, I'd had a conversation with some Canadian crime writers in an event in Canada, which I just happened upon spontaneously by chance in Vancouver. And, um, chatted to a guy called Bill Deverell or William Deverell, who's a doyen of Canadian crime writing. He's written for um, kind of page and screen and stuff. He's a, a really outstanding lawyer too. And Bill and I had talked about quality crime fiction and he'd asked me about New Zealand crime writing and I'd said, well, um, I actually don't know much. You know, Naya Marsh back in the day, Paul Thomas, a few others, one-off books here and there. 
And so it was literally a couple of months later, I'm back in New Zealand and I'm reading these two really good books. And then I flicked them open and both of you had written previous books. Cemetery Lake was Paul's third, Ringmaster was your second. So it wasn't just a one-off like we'd had. And I suddenly thought, wow, wow, we've got these really cool modern New Zealand crime writers. And then, um, you know, I read a Patty Richardson book after that and a Lindy Kelly book. And then there was Neil Cross, who was Wellington-based, even though he said his books in the UK. And then Ben Sanders' book came out soon after that. And suddenly there was just a slight kind of rising tide of Kiwi crime. And it just struck me I needed to do something to help support this. So when I was reviewing and writing about other crime authors from around the world, I just made sure that I had quite a bit of coverage of New Zealand stuff too. And then I started a blog and started the awards. And then it all just kind of rolled and snowballed. So it's all your fault, Vanda. It's really what it comes down to. It's all your fault. The book, Blame me, the, right? the, the, the appearing, like, I mean, I've walked through Sterling holding a flaming torch with Ian Rankin and Denise Miner and stuff. It's all of your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I think, one of the surprising things for you is that you started off as a you know, just enjoying the fiction for the sake of fiction, but then mm. ended up getting personally involved in um, that whole crime writing scene um, to the extent where you even, like, organised a crime festival. I mean, Rotorua Noir. So how has, <laughs> how has that been, you know, that, how does that feel for you, thinking, gosh, I was a reader and, and now I'm doing all this? Oh, it's kind of cool overall. If I'm going to sum it up, it's pretty cool in, in a lot of ways. Um, sometimes I think I'm a little bit mad. I'm like, you know, because it takes a lot of time for, you know, you do it for love, not money and stuff like that. But, um, but it's, yeah, it's fun. It's like, you know, I was always someone from when I was a kid who, I, when I got involved in stuff that I really loved, whether it was scouts, whether it was sport, whether it was stuff at school, I kind of was, my mum said I was always a bit all or nothing. Like if I got involved with something, I'd often end up being the secretary or the president or someone who would be a volunteer and you know, I'd go to scouts and I'd volunteer with um, various groups, helping kids and helping elderly people and stuff. And so I was always someone who kind of, when I did find things that I really loved, and obviously you, you're busy in different parts of your life, but I would use my time to throw myself into them a bit more than just um, going along, you know, kind of thing. So... It was a bit like that. Um, a lot of it was accidental, but I guess it all came from a passion for it. And, yeah, I mean, I'd, uh, I ended up reviewing both of your books in NZ Lawyer, which was the magazine I was writing for, a magazine for all the lawyers. And that happened by chance because someone else's review of a legal book didn't come in on deadline. And my editor turned to me and said, read, read any good novels lately, Craig? Can you write an article today so we can put it in for the printers? So I reviewed your and Paul's book. We got a good response. She said, oh, we should do more fiction every now and again. And that's Therese Bennington. She's a fantastic lady. And um, she's actually one of our nine marshals judges now, 10 years later, and she didn't even read crime fiction back then <laughs> and stuff. She was more into literary fiction. Now she loves both. Um, but, you know, so a lot of it was happenstance, but I guess it's happenstance when you enjoy something or you love something or you're passionate about it when an opportunity arises you see it and you do something about it because it's something you're interested in and that's kind of what's happened for me is I guess I'd always had this interest and then when I realized we had all this really great homegrown talent that was out there but wasn't necessarily getting a lot of coverage so when opportunities arose I took them and did something about them and so it was a bit spontaneous rather than planned but at the same time I guess it came from a place of passion. Now you mentioned earlier in the Naya Marsh Awards um now, why did you decide to start a National Crime Writing Award? 
Like anything, it's usually a few different threads that all come together at a particular time, like coalesce. So the event I went to in Canada was actually an Arthur Ellis Awards event, which is the Canadian Crime Writers Awards. I just happened to be in Vancouver for a month, and I saw a notice on the library that there was an event that night. So I went along and I met these crime writers, and and that was their Canadian crime writing event. And I, you know, I I knew when I'd come back that there was like I'd heard of the Eggers in America and Australia had the Ned Kelly Awards and England had the Daggers and stuff. And then when I started blogging, I realised there was all these other crime awards around um, the world. And I kind of used to joke at the time back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, that New Zealand was the only English speaking country without a crime awards other than maybe Belize, um, you know, kind of thing. So, but it did seem like that, like everyone else had one, and so. You know, in the UK, if if a, if a really great crime novel that was really well written, like in a literary way, kind of got overlooked for the Booker Prize, it didn't really matter because there were the daggers and other awards for it. And in Australia, if a, if a you know Peter Temple book got overlooked for the Miles Franklin, then it didn't matter because there was the Ned Kelly's. But we didn't have anything like that in New Zealand. And the more I reviewed and the more I started reviewing for newspapers and magazines, not just Tenzin Lawyer, but others, and you know, interviewing authors as well, I just kind of got this growing sense over about 12 or 18 months. So there was this real gap that uh, needed to be filled. And we did have genre fiction awards. There was a, you know, there's the um, Sir Julius Vogel Awards for science fiction and fantasy. And the Romance Writers of New Zealand had a really great conference. I kind of looked at them and went, okay, well, crime does seem to be a gap. It's this hugely popular all around the world. We've got these really high quality crime writers coming through and there's kind of not as much there for them as there would be if they were overseas, whether it's events or whether it's awards or an organization, you know, kind of and things like that. And it just got to that stage where I talked to publishers about it and I talked to people at, you know, party like publisher parties or Christmas parties, and everyone I talked to went, Oh yeah, that's a really great idea. And then they carried on. And so it just got to the stage of um, I don't know how much I have to watch my language here on your show, sorry, but um, of uh, fudge it, I, I might as well do it myself, you know, kind of thing, and that's kind of how it happened. Uh, you know, I by that stage, I knew lots of reviewers abroad, you know, um, so we got been a reviewer in the UK for 17 years from reviewing crime fiction, and we got the vice president of the Canadian Crime Writers Association, we got the deputy editor of an Australian books magazine, so I got some really high-quality judges from the very first year Graham Beatty from New Zealand, Bookman Beatty, who people often know, he was one of our founding judges as well. So even right from the start, you know, we didn't have a lot of prize money or anything, but I wanted it to be really, to have some mana, for want of a better phrase, you know, kind of thing, to really have some um, heft to it in terms of the judges and that they were both New Zealand and overseas judges and 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 that was you know a little bit so the overseas judges might talk about our book overseas so that was for a couple of reasons but also just bringing in an outside perspective so it wasn't purely parochial um yeah and, and we kind of just grew from there and now we're year 12 12 mm. season 12 yeah. season yeah and of course um, after the fabulous naya marsh <laughs> yeah and it was really cool because when i started that i i was trying to think you know the and I looked at the American awards, like the Eggers are named after Edgar Allan Poe. There's also an award called the Agatha, obviously named after Agatha Christie, which is for Middle East Domestic, which is kind of a cosy writing, more so than the serial killer thriller, kind of they focus on that. And there's other awards, you know, named after people as well. So I kind of thought, well, who in New Zealand it makes sense to be Nio, and it's kind of a cool name, you know, it's the Nio Marsh Awards. And people around the world either remember Nio Marsh fondly 
uh, which is still very well liked in the UK and the US, almost more so than in New Zealand. So very um, kind of people remember her, but also it's kind of an interesting name and it's, you know, the kind of word it is, it's kind of a little bit kind of, you know, associated with New Zealand. It's not a name that you see all around the world or anything like that. So it was good on a number of reasons and I was fortunate enough, she kind of died without heirs or anything like that. But I got in touch with what we believed was her closest living relative who was a great nephew I might have it slightly wrong, my second cousin. And he kind of gave us our blessing and said he thought she would love it. And so kind of gave us our blessing to use her name. I, I don't know if we needed that, but I felt better asking for it, you know, kind of thing. And um, yeah, so that was really cool. It's fantastic. Now let's talk about your book. Um, so the book <laughs> is called Southern Cross Crime, The Pocket Essential Guide to the Crime Fiction, Film and TV of Australia and New Zealand. How did this project come about for you? Well, um, again, you know, it's a co- kind of coalescing of a lot of factors all in one. So I've been writing about a, uh, New Zealand crime writers and also a lot of Australians because I started writing for an Australian magazine almost from the start in 2009. Um, so I've been writing about Australian and New Zealand crime writers for almost a decade. And uh, I was over here and there's a really interesting series Um done by a publisher called Old Castle Books, No Except Press, who are my publisher. And um, so the, they had a Nordic noir book, an American noir book, and a kind of Brit noir book, Euro noir, looking at French and German crime writing. And there's a guy called Barry Forshaw, who's a really excellent reviewer, who's been around for a long time here, writes for the Financial Times and The Independent and many others, cheers a lot of, you know, crime festival events. is really well known. And I met Barry at some of the events over here since I've been here and He's been very kind to me, and uh, one day I kind of said to him, oh, Barry, you know, it would be cool, because he'd asked me, he started actually using me as a researcher for some of his books. He would flick me lists and say, if I missed, you know, is there anyone else you think should really be covered for, like, his new one? And I would help out just a tiny, tiny bit, you know. And um, so I said to him one day, you know, you really should do one on Australia and New Zealand crime writing. He said, no, Craig, you should. And, and he introduced me to his publisher and Kind of that's kind of how it happened. He was Barry was really supportive, really kind to kind of um, you know bring me into the series, and I so I've you know my books modelled largely on his, but I have gone my own way in a couple of ways. Uh, I've included uh, children's and young adult crime writing, which isn't included in the other books in the series because you know I fell in love with the Hardy Boys and Secret Seven and stuff like that, and uh, you know other. People I know, I you know, I talk to Karen Slaughter or someone like that, or Kathy Rikes, and they'll rave about Nancy Drew, you know, kind of thing. Where other people rave about Famous Five. So for a lot of us, it's the juvenile books that get us into it, and I didn't want to overlook those. So, you know, we've got you know, Otago's own Ella West is in there. We talk about her books, her Rainfall and and Night Vision, which are excellent books, and you know, they're kind of young adult um, or juvenile in their crime writing, and there's some really great other New Zealand authors, Brian Faulkner is doing some great stuff. Um, Helen Vivian Fletcher does a lot of really cool things as well. And so we've got some really awesome uh, Elaine Merriman as well. There's a whole lot. I mean, I could go on. There's a whole section <laughs> kind of thing. But we have, so I wanted to include that. And then I included these kind of longer form uh, interview chapters with um, about a dozen or 13 kind of crime writers, um, so, you know, Jane Harper and Michael Robotham, Paul Cleave yourself, Liam McIlvenny from Dunedin as well, and um, kind of just giving people a even greater understanding of what was going on down here. And because I came from a background of doing newspaper and magazine feature articles for weekend newspapers, and so I kind of wanted to bring a little bit of that into the book rather than just being kind of in a, 
uh, more readable encyclopedia, you know, kind of thing. So, and you do kind cover, of how it came about. So. You do cover a lot of Australian and New Zealand writers. Uh, yeah. Over 200 individual writers um, are mentioned in there. How on earth did you decide or track them all down? <laughs> well, as I say, I've been, I've been, um, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. As I say, I've been um, kind of reviewing for 10, 12 years by the time I was submitting this book. Um, so I was, and I'd always tried to keep my finger on the pulse, even when I moved to the UK, obviously with the Naya Marsh Awards, I had to keep my finger on the pulse of everything that's happening in New Zealand. And uh, also in Australia, I was a Ned Kelly Awards judge one year when I was over here and, you know, often featured Australian writers as well as New Zealand ones for overseas magazines. And so I kind of already had a decent working knowledge of a lot of it you know of, i could write down a few hundred authors you know a couple of 300 and then i um you know did some research to find ones that i wasn't aware of i also i so i started making myself some big lists and the horrible thing whenever you're doing something like this whether you're doing a list of 10 kiwi authors to try or you're doing a book that includes 250 authors is no matter what you're always going to be missing some people out you just can't fit everyone in or you fit everyone in and you write a sentence about them or you or you can write more about people if you you know do that and so i um i kind of say to people i was trying to be comprehensive not definitive is kind of what i was aiming for um, you know and i think i largely achieved that there'll always be someone that people think should have been there that isn't so the the david awards shortlists and winners and finalists and the same with the ned kelly awards and the naya marsh awards of course and other awards you know children's and the young adult awards that might have been crime or thriller titles and so i looked at all of that and then included a whole lot of other people that i thought might have been overlooked or all predated like the naya marsh awards only started 2010 and my book starts in 1995 coverage the last 25 years so i was you know including people like paul thomas and nigel Lanner and others and um and then i sent the list to some reviewers that i trusted in australia sent it to sisters in crime um, australia lindy cameron and others and just went you know have i are there any glaring misses here and they gave some suggestions many of which were included and stuff and uh and so kind of yeah that was kind of how the list came about and then of course you put it into the publisher and um, and then it gets pushed back. You know, it takes six months to publish. It gets pushed back another six months for COVID. So by the time it comes out, it's a year after you wrote it and, and you know, Girl in the Mirror has come out and, and, and everything else. So you're sitting there going, well, I would have included them if I'd known, you know, and OA by Vicky Manoa 2 has come out and things like that. And, yeah, so you can never uh, you can never nail it exactly, but I did my best. So, <laughs> so having done this, um, this, this book about antipathy and crime writing and with your knowledge internationally, you know, how does antipathy and crime writing compare with the rest of the world? From a quality standpoint, it's excellent. Like we have a lot of really amazing writers. Um, I've always found it curious in New Zealand, we not only accept, but we actually expect our sports people to be world beaters and the best in the world. And, 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 and not just rugby, but with, and a lot of other sports, whether it's rowing and softball, and we have a lot of world champions and things. And we kind of, we not only go, oh yeah, I that's, you know, that's understandable. We even expect it, you know, kind of thing. And then with other things and, and the arts, and it's not just crime, it's, it's our literary authors and other things. And prior to Lord of the Rings and other things, we were about the same with our film and we've been the same with our music, though that's got better over the years as well. 
over the course of my lifetime, is that we almost think there's this kind of underlying thing that stuff from overseas is automatically better than ours. And it's just simply not the case. Um, I read very widely. I read a lot of translated crime fiction and Latin American and African and Asian crime fiction. There's great crime running from all over the world, not just the US and the UK. And Australia and New Zealand is incredibly strong. We have some amazing writers, which doesn't surprise me in hindsight, though at this time I didn't know we had many when I started doing this 12 years ago. But it makes sense, you know. Um, we've good storytellers and stuff like that, and we've got a really strong relationship with the land in both countries, and so there's a really strong sense of setting and place in our genre fiction as well as our literary fiction. Interesting sense of humour, a different way of looking at the world because we're a little bit at a distance which is a lot of the time when you're writing novels, you, you have those characters who are kind of inside or outside of status or they're at a little bit of a distance and we're kind of a little bit at a distance in a global sense. So um, there's a lot of really great things. And, you know, we've got really talented writers. We've got amazing, you know, Margaret May, he's one of the all-time best children's authors in the world. Lindley Dodd with Harry McCleary, you know, our screenwriters and stuff like that. We've got these amazing literary um, novelists. Not, I mean, Ali Cadden and that have obviously... And Lloyd Jones have, have kind of got overseas accolades. But there's a whole lot of other great writers in New Zealand. Rachel King wrote some amazing books, and Paula Morris, and, and Steph, you know, Steph Mataku. And, and, you know, there's a whole, you, the list just goes on and on. We have some amazing writers. I obviously love crime fiction and I focus on the crime writers, but I'm also very aware and very supportive of all these other amazing writers we have in New Zealand. And they stand shoulder to shoulder with really good authors from all around the world. We should feel no cultural cringe, just as we. Just as we accept and expect our sports people and some other areas to do really well on the global stage, it's the same with our creative arts people. So does the future look good for New Zealand crime fiction writing? I hope so. <laughs> I think so, but I'm a bit of a positive person. So, you know, um, you know, publishing and business and everything, it's a fickle world. And, you know, there, there are people who become smash hits. There are other people who are just write something just as good and don't. And it's nothing to do. Yes, nothing's ever a pure meritocracy. You know, there's. I always remember thinking when I was younger that we had these great New Zealand rock bands because I was into rock music. We had these great New Zealand rock bands that if they were in America, they would have been you know globally massive. They didn't happen to be, so they weren't. You know, but at the same time, there's a whole ton of American rock bands who are really good and get no notice. So it's not just a geographic thing. You know, it's just the nature of these things. But you know, we've got some amazing voices coming through. Uh, we've had over. We started the debut novel award in 2016, so basically five years, five, six seasons, but five years. And we've had 70, 80, 100, you know, kind of between 70 to 80, you know, new authors come along just in that time as debutants. That's not including the people like Nalini Singh who don't count as debutants because they've already written other novels. So there's a whole swathe of them as well coming from other genres. So we've got this real influx of fresh, exciting voices, plus, you know, um, people like yourself coming back to it after a breakaway with your PhD, Paul Cleave, just, Paul Cleave's new book's amazing, The Quiet People, anyone listening to this, if you like crime fiction, go and buy The Quiet People, it's just at stores last week, it's amazing, it's a fantastic book, you know, Ben Sanders is doing some really cool stuff, and he's been around, you know, he's been around for 10 years, and he's still only 30, you know, he's, he's still younger now, than Michael Connolly and Val McDermott were when they started and they've been writing for 30 years. And Ben has written six books now, seven, seven books now, and he's still younger than when they started. He's just going to get better and better. J.P. Pamari is amazing, Melbourne-based Kiwi, but he's fantastic. We've got 
um, Nikki Crutchley's doing some really cool things. So there's just, just, you know, at the start when I started the knives, there was that little concern in the back of my mind. It's like, well, if, if Paul and Vander and Patty and Paul Thomas and Neil Cross, you know, if they don't keep going a book a year, we're going to have, you know, really good quality finalists every year. And, but, you know, it hasn't been an issue. There's been new authors, you know, Charity Norman's come through and Nikki Crutchley's come through and, you know, Cheryl Clark last year, Renee. And, oh, yeah, 89-year-old absolute legend of New Zealand storytelling. It starts writing crime novels at 89, you know, kind of thing. So it's, we've got, uh, it's a really cool community and I'm, I'm really stoked to be like a little part of it and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Great. Hey, thank you, Craig, so much for coming on the show and talking about crime fiction and New Zealand crime writing and internationally. And all the very best um, with the book, uh, Southern Cross Crime, which, you know, if for those out there who want a, a go-to resource to find some great names of authors to go and find their books and certainly grab it and have a look. And we will hopefully get to see you on New Zealand shores sometime soon. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. God, I miss you guys. Give my homeland a hug for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I had to cancel a trip back last year because of COVID and then a second planned trip. So um, hopefully not too long now. Uh, yeah, I'm, I miss home. You know, I'm grateful for the things I get to do in the UK, but I'm just a New Zealander who doesn't happen to live there at the moment. Yeah. Fabulous. Thanks so much, Craig. That's the show for this month. Thanks to my guests Lindy Cameron from Melbourne talking about Dark Deeds Down Under and Craig Sisterson from London talking about Southern Cross Crime. And thank you for listening in. Join me again next month for another hour delving into that fabulous world of books and publishing. But until then, enjoy lots of great reading. The university bookshop is evil because it tempts me so with its otherworldly, picture-perfect, just smell those books and breathe atmosphere, with its staff who entice me with, oh look, have you read this, or have you seen that, and we know you need this, with its cruelly situated right at the front so you trip over at New Zealand new releases table, and worst of all, worst of all, with the irresistible treasures in Book Lovers Corner, the university bookshop is evil, you have been warned. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.